With 50 plus years of combined produce, supply chain, entrepreneurial, and business experience, Craig Slade and Ed Bertad discuss the impacts of fresh produce on their lives and health. This podcast is a casual conversation between two friends just trying to get better. This is The Fresh Cred. All right, we are live now. Hey, look, we guys, we just grabbed uh, a gentleman that Ed and I met for the first time this morning. Um, just some uh, some really uh, interesting uh, concepts or information. So this is Richard Kottmeyer, and he is with FTI Consulting, and you're responsible for the ag, beverage, and food. And food. Correct. Uh, first top 10 companies in the... Yeah, we... Uh... Well, yeah, we're a top 10 uh, global consulting firm, New York Stock Exchange listed, 6,400 uh, consultants, uh, about $4 billion of revenue. Oh, wow. All right. So, and the thing is, he's got some amazing perspectives on just really, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, Richard, about that me and Ed were talking about the food supply chain, right? And, and you know, our business and what we're all in in the ag space. And um, being what you do for a living, you've got an amazing perspective on what's going on globally. So, uh, this is going to be pretty much kind of you walking through that. I know you got a plane to catch, and I've just grabbed you out of the audience. So if you Maybe give me some a few, highlights, yeah, just the highlights and catch it. But I think it's uh, everybody listening will fully be uh, uh, interested in what you got to say. So I think the most important thing for produce to understand today is that even if the conflict in the Ukraine ends today, you have three and a half years of food inflation you have the possibility of radically new supply chains, particularly with announcements that Russia may want to go and completely cut the Ukraine off from the Black Sea. That's just one thing, because you had food inflation already. And so you model what could happen to Europe, and quickly you see that you could have a 3 maybe 4% decline in GDP, which is huge. You see food inflation, which is worse by far than what we saw in 2008, which of course started the Arab Spring. So what does that mean for produce? Produce has a remarkable opportunity actually it has some risk. Um, Smallberry, in particular, would have some risk. Um, but the upside is understanding what happened the last time American consumers were forced to trade down because of food inflation. And I think the most important thing to understand. Just, I mean, trade, so, da- trade down meaning. Trade down, yes. So... For example, uh, the classic example is if you were buying beef, Mm -hmm. you might buy pork. If you were buying pork, you might buy chicken. Right. Right. In other words, you are going to trade down. So we we, we like to say that for the past, I don't know, five, six years, we've been creating premium upon premium upon premium of food. This case, you're trading down from those premiums, right? So in a restaurant industry, you might have a favorite local restaurant, pretty, you know, a little bit pricey. It might be going down to Applebee's. It might be from an Applebee's or what we call a quick uh, casual. Mm -hmm. 
to a quick serve restaurant uh, that did phenomenally well during the last food inflation period. So what happens is the entire universe of people from poor to very wealthy will trade down. Even those that don't have to trade down, they will trade down. Food away from home will take a dive. Food at home will increase. But then there's a certain percent of that population who is moving from food away from home to food at home, trading down. Right. That's then going to trade up. Okay. In other words, they're going to say, look, I'm eating at home. I'm eating produce, but I want it better. Right, right. I'm eating pasta. I'm making pasta, but I want it better. On top of that, they're going to want it more convenient. So what happens when you have inflation? You got to work a little harder. Everything's a little more of a struggle. Everything's a little more stressed. Doesn't matter if you're, you know, where you are in the food chain, pardon the pun, of economics. Everything's a little more stressful and convenience becomes important. But so does health. Health really takes off in periods of food inflation. Now, you might think that's the craziest thing, Rich. <laughs> yeah, I would think you that know, would be opposite that, of it, yeah. That I'll just eat whatever calories I can find. And for a small percent of the population, that's true. But I think we're still at 86% um, total food security in the United States in terms of, uh, you know, last reports. Um, we're remarkably food secure. Yeah, I was going to say 86% surprises me. I didn't realize that. That's pretty yeah. fantastic. No, it, uh, it, it was higher than I thought. Yeah. Um, and again, food inflation is, you know, at at double-digit percentages, depending on how you want to count food inflation. But let's just say it, it's high. Right. Um, and if you're in Europe, it, it's really high because on top of that, you're going to deal with the uh, farm-to-fork policy that adds, you know, you have 10%, then you add another 10% on very likely. So produce also is going to find that, the you know, the European market is, is going to shrink. Um, and so there's going to be supply, yeah. right? Yeah. There's going to be supply. Where, where, where does Europe's produce, the produce that would go to Europe go if, if, if indeed, you know, you continue to put food inflation upon food inflation upon food inflation? And, and I see no indication that the European Union is going to pull back on its farm to fork policy, which is unfortunate if which is a, it's an environmental effort. If I'm that's correct, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So basically, it, it, it's part of the Green Deal, the Green Initiative. Right. Uh, it's largely tied to climate change. Right. Um, and sustainability, and um, you know, and it it's pretty dramatic. Yeah. I'm not, no, not going to be pejorative, uh, but it's it, it certainly. Certainly dramatic what they're doing, and, and, and it comes at a cost. And I think everyone needs to know, with food inflation coming to America and that, it comes at a cost. When yeah. there's not enough fertilizer, it comes at a cost. Somebody goes hungry. Yeah. And so that's rule number one to know today. Somebody goes hungry. The next thing to know is somebody has an opportunity. And that opportunity, I really do believe, is in produce. And one of the things I'm afraid of, something I'm afraid of, is that produce companies will foolishly cut innovation, focus solely on, you know, cutting costs and operation. Well, if I'm going to trade down to trade up, 
by definition, you need more innovative product, right? right. Yep. This may be a really good time for product launches. Not a bad one. Hmm. Interesting for sure. You know, I mean, when you talk about European when GDP shrinking three four percent, um, that's, that's Europe. That's Europe. I yeah, just no, want yeah, everyone yeah, to yeah, understand yeah, that, that is Europe. That's not Europe. The United States. But, but from a global scale, right? I mean, you, you're really talking about a, you know, what we're looking at. Because if I'm not mistaken, the statistic I heard on calories, world calories, thirty percent or so come from the Ukrainian Russian area, the eastern part of Europe. Is that correct? Or well, I, I know how you calculate that. Um, no, it, it's substantial. It's yeah. substantial. Let's say it's substantial. I went out thirty percent. I mean, again. There are calories that people eat, and there are calories that animals eat. Yeah. And then those animals, the calories that animals eat, then, you know, do, you, because, add, do yeah. you add them to the calories that the people eat, or do you subtract them out and say those are those are not human calories? Uh, so depending on which way you go that way uh, really does change that number. But look, it, it's the breadbasket. It's yeah. the breadbasket. You, you cannot deny that just losing the Black Sea, just losing the Ukraine, would be an enormous black swan to agriculture. You put COVID in, you put food inflation in, you put more conflict that occurred in Africa in, you put this, 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 you put the logistics issues in. I mean, we just, we're piling on drought. We're piling on one after another, after another, after another black swan. And at some point, you know, this escalates to a real global problem. So, Richard, pre, pre-COVID, let's say pre-COVID, pre-conflict, what was our pace? Were we on pace to meet our food needs globally? Okay. And then about yeah. what percentage change was COVID and what percentage change was the conflict? Okay. You're always in danger with percentage changes, and I don't have the numbers okay. off the top of my head. No so I'm going to try to give you a range and tell you how to look them up, okay. and it's very easy. So the best way of monitoring global food security for the future, which is important. So by 2050, the world needs 50% more calories. Some people say it's 50% more food, but again, when you say food, that's volume, right? Calories, far more specific. There's a report from the Global Harvest Initiative. It's called the GAF Report. And it talks about something is called- it, Is that an acronym? Yeah. So uh, the gap, well, the gap is the gap between what you need to be at, what you need to grow at, and what you're currently growing at. So gotcha. the gap is literally a gap. Gotcha. I got you. And uh, then it's Total Factor Productivity, TFP, which basically says, you know, we can't put more land into production. It's just not that land. Right. So we're going to have to be more efficient. So it's really an efficiency. How much more efficiency do, are we getting such that we're growing more with less? I got you. And so there's a calculated number. What, does, what do you need for total factor productivity um, on an annual basis? Now, before COVID, as you asked, we were not hitting the number. And a lot of times people say, well, we're close. Okay, let's imagine for a minute that you're one degree off of center, off of north, right? And you're going to walk across your room. <laughs> Big deal. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're one degree off, 
and you're going to cross the whole world. You're going to go around the whole world. Well, let me tell you, you're not coming back anywhere close to where you started. <laughs> yeah. So if we compound a little bit of loss of total factor productivity, we're not growing at the same rate. Right. Over a 50-year period, because I really think you need to go beyond 2050 to really look at 2072. Um, but even 2050, you know, you're looking at a 30-year period roughly. Little losses escalate very quickly. And that's why a conflict is going to be felt for a generation. Hmm. You're, and more importantly, it's not this year that's going to be the worst. No no way. It's next. Next year. Next year, 20, is, 2023 is what right. you're seeing. That, yeah. That's when the plant isn't going to happen, right? Yeah. That's when, you know, some of the potash, it, it got out ahead of the conflict. 2023 is going to be a very, very hard year. Wow. And, and and I'm worried for North Africa. I'm worried for West Africa. You know, there were six conflicts, or successful, because there were a couple more. On average, it's about one to two. So we are already in heightened conflict side. Now we're going to put on food inflation, which is worse than what we what happened in 2008. Hmm. There, this could be the first of several conflicts that we see. Well, well, like I say, it's. Uh, I mean, we could. That's a lot to chew on. Yeah, I was gonna say, just that little compact piece of information is. It's got some obviously some scary statistics, some scary numbers, but you know, you did talk about the opportunities that exist, and you know, and and we're gonna all have to figure it out. But uh, really appreciate you, you know, giving us this few minutes. Uh, I'd say one thing. Yes, sir. One thing. In times of trouble, people care about their health. COVID proved that to the entire retail industry. Yeah. Well, produce did pretty well during COVID. This is another time of trial, trouble. Right. Following a first one. <laughs> this is a remarkably good time for the produce industry to pound home the theme of eat well, eat vegetables, eat well, eat fruit, right? Healthy living. Um, that theme will play very, very well now. I love that. I love that as a, a great finish. I may take that tagline. That may become part of my eat, eat well, eat vegetables. Right. Absolutely. Eat well, eat fruits. Right. You know, look, somebody like, Likes more fruit. Somebody likes more vegetables. That's why you split it. Yeah. But um, but between fruit and vegetables, pretty much everyone has something that they like. Right. right? For sure. And, 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 and that something is generally a whole lot better than a lot of things that they eat. Better than the alternative. Absolutely. It's all, it's all comparison. Yeah. And you know what? For all the consumers out there, the other great thing about eating healthy and eating well and eating your fruit and vegetables Fruit and vegetables are literally the most sustainable agricultural product out there. All you got to do is look at how much water it takes to grow a pound of a fruit, typical fruit, typical vegetable versus a typical oil seed for right. cooking oil, typical coarse seed for animal feed, or just an animal product, right? A lot of times you get this garbage of like dirty dozen. 
and I just want to scream at them, scream at them and be like, hey, dummy, you grow the stuff in dirt. <laughs> right? Good food grows in dirt. Yes. Dirty dozen, dirt. Yeah. Where do you think you grow it? Dirt. You know what you used to play in until you became, uh, you know, video game junkies? Um. No offense, video game junkies. Yeah, no, no, no. Look, I play video games. I play video games. But I'm, I'm saying, you know, we used to play in dirt. We knew what dirt was. We yeah. weren't afraid of dirt. I think I ate dirt. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I did too. And a couple of fights, I guess. Um, the other thing is, is you know, literally, environmental working group, by your standards, a ding dong is less dirty than a strawberry. Now think about the absurdity of this. Are you going to eat a ding dong rather than a strawberry? No, I mean, if you do that, you're the ding dong. <laughs> you're the ding dong. So literally, you know, there's, I mean, the whole concept of the dirty dozen is ding dong logic. I think you're pretty passionate about that that like whole the, dirty dozen. Like it's just, it, it's, just it, 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 it's the most fabricated. Um, marketing that I've seen in, in in a long time. It's a great fundraiser. That's all it's good for. Got you. I'm going to write ding dong logic down. Uh, ding dong got, logic. You're a ding dong if you I mean, use the a ding dong logic. The dirty dozen is ding dong logic, pure and simple. That's, hey, look, that's got rhymes. The dirty dozen is a ding dong logic. Is that that could be a song kind of? Uh, we'll yeah, work on. We'll it. work on that. Hey, Richard, thank hey, you so pleasure. very much, Thanks man. So much I appreciate it. We hope to catch you again you gotta, sometime, you right? Got it. Picture real quick before you yeah. leave. You got it. Thank you.